to the Womb Wisdom Podcast. My name is Holly Lever, and I'm the owner and operator of Rosebud Wellness, where I practice women's holistic health, utilizing acupuncture, Chinese herbalism, yoni steaming, and Arvigo abdominal massage. And I'm also a mother to a 14-month-old daughter. This podcast will be part information about women's holistic health practices and part conversations with mothers and women who hope to be mothers about their fertility journey, pregnancy, birth, postpartum, and motherhood. We'll be having those hard-to-have conversations in this podcast, the conversations that women aren't always having. So I hope that you'll enjoy this podcast and what we have to offer here, and thank you so much for listening. Hello everyone and welcome to this first episode of the Womb Wisdom Podcast. This is Holly, and this is just going to be a solo episode with me, um, kind of just sharing my own story, and in this episode I'll be setting the stage for future interviews that I'll have with other women, um, just talking about their period history, fertility journey, their pregnancy, um, birth, postpartum, and their journey into motherhood. So in this episode, I'll be talking about my own. So um, my first period started when I was 14 years old. And it was a little bit later than most of my friends and other women that were around me at the time. So I was kind of relieved for it to begin and a little excited. Um, I do remember feeling kind of like it was a hush-hush, sort of don't talk about it type thing, um, something to be embarrassed about, which I think isn't altogether an uncommon story. Um... And it wasn't particularly painful. I didn't really have too many issues, although my period in the beginning would only come every three months. So when I first went to the gynecologist at 15 or so, um, they put me on the birth control pill immediately to regulate my cycle. And as you will hopefully learn throughout this podcast, um, the pill does not actually regulate your cycle, it turns off your hormones altogether and gives you um, what is called a withdrawal bleed. So obviously I did not know that at the time. Um, And then I spent almost 10 years on birth control. um, And most of the time my period would go missing. They would put me on a different pill, um, but that was really the only symptom that I had while I was on the pill, which I realized I was quite lucky because there can be some other pretty um, life-altering side effects. So um, when I went off of the birth control pill was when I was 24 and I was in acupuncture school learning about how much information you can get about your overall health um, in sort of understanding the different aspects of your menstrual cycle Um, So I felt curious to see what was going on with my body naturally without um, these synthetic hormones. Um, So then I went over two years without a period at all. So obviously there was something under 
lying that um, the pill was certainly not addressing. So with that said, um, mostly what my issue was, was um, a restrictive eating disorder, which then eventually went into anorexia, um, a pretty severe um, eating disorder at that time and to varying degrees throughout my life as well. Um, And so then I found fertility awareness, which involves tracking your basal body temperature, your cervical fluid, um, and your cervical position. And that can give you a lot of information as to what's going on with your body, even more so than what I was learning through um, my training in acupuncture. Um, And in doing this for... I was charting my cycles for a good year um, and I would observe that if I was eating really well, um, my weight was at a good level for my specific body um, and my exercise was more moderate than what it could sometimes be, my cycle would regulate. I would ovulate regularly. I would have a pretty um, balanced luteal phase, which is the second part of your menstrual cycle, and I would get my period regularly. Um, And as soon as I would start to restrict a little bit again um, or exercise too much, there would be some irregularities in my cycle. So before I got pregnant, I was struggling a little bit more, and I had gone into um, a treatment program and was doing better. And I was, so I was tracking my cycle, but, um, things were a little less clear at that time because, uh, I was, I had been restricting a little bit more. And so my pregnancy actually was in the realm of accidental, although I did want to become pregnant, um, sometime in the near future. Um, but so I can't really speak to the fertility journey in terms of actively trying or having any, um, issues in, in getting pregnant because it wasn't altogether my intention. Um, but I did, um, fall pregnant and at the beginning of my pregnancy, I remember having a lot of discharge, um, or, it's kind of a horrible word, but I had a lot of cervical fluid. Um, I've heard other women refer to it as cervical nectar, which is a lovely term. So, um, and I remember every time I would go to the bathroom, I, I was convinced that I was bleeding and that I was having a miscarriage and, you know, I would get this doom and gloom feeling that I was losing my baby And now I have learned that that's a perfectly normal early pregnancy sign. Um, So that's part of the intention of this podcast is just to talk about, you know, pregnancy, fertility, postpartum, like what's normal and what are women not talking about? And it's, I mean, I work in women's holistic health and I had never heard that that's a perfectly normal symptom. Um, So it is. And um, in terms of my pregnancy, I didn't really have too many issues. I did feel extremely tired um, in the first trimester, and I was 
working as an acupuncturist and um, I would go and take naps on my treatment table in between patients. Um, and that was a really lovely thing that I did for myself. I also did have um, a fair amount of nausea and some food aversions, um, which was challenging for me with my eating disorder history. Um, but that really only lasted for me through the uh, first trimester. It was pretty much as soon as I hit 14 weeks, the, the nausea and the fatigue um, subsided. So that was really lovely. Um, another thing that I'll be talking about with guests in the future is some things that they did during their pregnancy that they thought were really beneficial for them. Um, so one thing I did was get some pretty regular acupuncture treatments um, for the nausea. I I did um, feel a lot of anxiety during my pregnancy, so it helped with that too. Um, and then near the end of my pregnancy, I was going every single week, at 30, 37 weeks and beyond, um, to sort of like make sure that everything was flowing smoothly um, and that there are certain things that you can do to ensure a, um, a, an, I don't want to say an easier labor, but a... Um, yeah, smooth, efficient labor that, you know, contractions are strong and everything's kind of going as planned. So I did that. Um, I also did um, labor prep yoni steaming. So I'm sure that I'll do an episode about that eventually. Um, and there is a blog on my website um, about exactly what I did and what herbs I used and things like that. So that was really... Um, a, a wonderful thing that I did for myself. Um, I also bounced on the, the birth ball a lot to try to get her to engage near the end of my pregnancy. I did a ton of walking. <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean, I, I felt good. So I know that these things are not going to be available for everyone if they're still feeling a lot of digestive discomfort throughout their pregnancy um, or anything like that. Um, but yeah, so I, I was able to do a lot of walking. Um, I did continue doing yoga. I've been an Ashtanga yoga practitioner for um, about 10 years now. And so I, I did do that, but it was very modified. And I had a lovely teacher who I'm hoping I will be able to have on the podcast as well um, that guided me through how to do that safely throughout my pregnancy um, I also drank a lot of red raspberry leaf tea, especially near the end, which can be helpful for strengthening the uterus to make sure that the contractions are strong. I also took a course um, called Love Your Labor with this woman named Corinne Brown. So I'll link that in the show notes. Um, she's awesome and she'll recommend a lot of the things that I, I'm talking about as well. Um, and I also did, and this is another thing from Corinne, I had, I did eat the six dates a day. Um, that's a thing to help with cervical ripening, um, near the end of pregnancy. And I know that not everybody likes dates, but I happen to love them. So that was a really lovely thing that I actually still do now sometimes. 
Um, I also used moxa, uh, which is a Chinese herb that's dried and rolled up into, there's a variety of different techniques that you can use moxa for, but I just used a, uh, a moxa pole, which anybody can purchase one of those. Um, and then you just light it at the end. It sort of burns like an incense stick and you can burn it over different points. Um, and I did that over the acupuncture point spleen six, um, pretty much every day near the end of my pregnancy. Um, and I, I mean, I can't say, I don't know for sure what any of these things did, but I know that they felt really good and nourishing to me. And, um, I would also feel her moving a lot, um, during acupuncture and, um, when I would do moxa and it, it never felt to me, and actually during the steaming, and it, it never felt to me like she was feeling uncomfortable or distressed at all. It felt like she was playing, like that she was enjoying what we were doing, and it was kind of creating some circulation that was fun for her. Um, so that's kind of how pregnancy was, um, and I was... 41 weeks and five days when I um, went into labor and I was planning a home birth all along. So um, we had a plan. I had a doula. I had two really awesome midwives um, that were, you know, we had um, set up to join us for the birth. And then my husband was also here. Um, and I labored mostly alone in the bathroom. I wanted to be in the dark and I wanted to be sitting on the toilet, which is not very sexy, but that's what I wanted to do. I think that I liked the sensation of allowing my pelvis to be open that the toilet offers. Um, so I was sitting in there for, I don't even really know how long, maybe three hours I was in the bathroom. Um, and then my doula arrived and she was, you know, just kind of there verbally supporting me. I found that I didn't really want to be touched. We had learned all of these, um, pressure kind of techniques and, um, I'm an acupuncturist, so certainly acupressure would have been maybe something to consider, but I really just wanted to be alone and it just felt, yeah, like, yeah, it just felt like I wanted to be with me and my baby and we were figuring it out together. Um, with that said, I, my doula was a huge support and just, um, keeping me calm, uh, verbally too. So then by the time, um, the first time that I was, I was checked, um, in terms of dilation, I was already 10 centimeters. Um, and I moved, I had moved into my bedroom by that time. <laughs> Reluctantly, I wanted to, I think I would have given birth to her, um, in the bathroom if left to my own devices, but I came into our bedroom and and then I, I was moved into, we had um, purchased a, a birthing tub and, and filled that with some warm water 
and I was in there for about 45 minutes and um, she was born and it was awesome. And with that said, it I mean, it was the most physically challenging um, experience that I've ever had. But it also felt very empowering. I, I felt prepared. I did a lot to prepare in, in terms of preparing my body. And mentally, I had read um, Ina Mae Gaskin's book, um, Spiritual spiritual midwifery and I had also read her other book which is escaping me right now natural childbirth or something like that I'll link those in the show notes (laughs) um but they were birth stories of natural natural childbirth and techniques that women had used and a lot of it was um, vocalizing keeping your jaw soft your jaw and your pelvis have a strong Um, energetic relationship and so I was making a lot of noise but it's not the noise that you would hear maybe in tv shows or movies where the woman is screaming or screeching at the top of her lungs it was deep groaning Um, my husband took a video of it and I watch it sometimes and it always brings tears to my eyes and it's not like a oh my God, that was so painful. It's like, that's fucking fierce. That's awesome that women, that I did that. Um, Yeah, just gave me a chill just to say that. Um, So yeah, and I I wanted to circle back also to pregnancy that um, working with the midwives I worked with, I I can't speak to what it's like, working with an obstetrician um, or more Western medically minded um, practitioners. So I I don't really know personally, Um, but we never did cervical checks. There was very little um, intervention in terms of like ultrasounds and it was kind of just measuring my uterus. Um, We didn't even track my weight really. they didn't think that that was something that was particularly important for me. I didn't know my weight throughout my entire pregnancy, um, which with my history of an eating disorder f- was really, really helpful and just felt kind of unnecessary to even go there. Um, and yeah, I mean, I feel like I was really lucky in my pregnancy that there wasn't a lot of micromanaging um, I think that pregnancy can kind of be looked at as as sort of like an illness to be treated. Um, and same thing with, with birth, too. Um, it's been very medicalized, and mine really wasn't. And I, so altogether, it was five and a half hours, which, I mean, I, I can't say why it was so short for a first-time birth. It's, maybe it's luck. I really have no idea, but I... I guess it's my belief that some of the things that I did um, in preparing for the birth um, and that there weren't any interventions in terms of induction um, or any pain relief um, that can sometimes slow down labor, um, that perhaps that's why it was on the shorter side. Um, 
So yeah, she was born on March 16th and it was awesome. And the beginning, the newborn phase offered a lot of challenges. Um, But my husband's mother, my mother-in-law came to stay with us for six weeks. Um, She actually got here um, a week before she was born and she was staying with us in our home and helping with everything, cooking, cleaning. She was amazing with her. She just has like the ultimate like comforting mom vibes. Um, They're also Brazilian, which I think culturally they're just... um, just really different from from the American culture and I know that maybe having your mother-in-law um stay with you for six weeks after you have your baby would be horrible depending on um who your mother-in-law was but it was completely awesome for us and it was also right at the beginning of when COVID um was really hitting hard and things were shutting down and she almost couldn't get home for a little while and um it was just a really stressful um time but she really helped to ease a lot of that um and i i just feel really grateful that we we had her here um my husband also stayed home from work for a couple of weeks um, I wasn't in a hurry to go back to work and I just, I recognize that I'm coming from a place of immense privilege um, as I share this and it was still really challenging. Um, you know, there were times when I didn't know what my daughter needed. Um, she had um, what they call the witching hour at times where it's just inconsolable crying in the evening and nothing would really help and some of it I think is just you know they're in this comfortable womb over their entire existence and now they're out in the world and they're cold and they're hungry and they don't know what everything's light and this things smell weird and you know there's there's just a lot of change for them and I I think it's a challenging transition um but it's also challenging to be um you know the one that kind of needs to figure out what to do so um so yeah that was the beginning um in terms of breastfeeding she was really easy um she kind of took to it pretty easily there is a best a breastfeeding uh, module as part of the love your labor um program too so th- that was helpful as well um so yeah that's my story and you know i think i may make another episode to go into what transitioning into motherhood has been like i think i'll save that for another day So thank you for listening so far, and yeah, I look forward to talking again. Thank you for listening, and don't forget to subscribe to this podcast so you'll be notified of future episodes as they're published. And also, if you like what you hear, please rate and review the podcast. 
this helps other people to find the podcast. And if you're interested in learning more, you can visit rosebudwellness.com or find me on Instagram at rosebud underscore wellness. Till next time.